You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to invite Sheila Dotson to the stage. Give a woot and a holler for Sheila Dotson. If you know her, if you love her. Uh, I'm going to scoot these tables kind of over this way. And I noticed last week that I kind of get into the dark. Uh, hang on, I'm going to. Um, hang on one second. <laughs> I think there's like a dark shadow on this side of the stage, and um, I remember that Julianne last week got the limelight, and I was thankful for that. I was kind of over here in the dark spot, which is, which is good, and I feel like I can see outwards better. You might not be able to see on this side of the stage as well, but this is a good spot to stand. Um, good morning, Sheila Dotson. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great to see you this morning. I know that we've been um, keeping up. You've had a very, very big, busy summer this summer. This we has have been, not been to the beach. Yeah, has you were not one of the hands that raised no. their hand for the beach. But no. it's been a good one altogether overall. It's, it's been a good one. Um, Nathan Dotson hasn't been to the beach either because he's been very busy on our home renovation project. Thank you very much. What a guy. Everybody a needs to job. know a Nathan Dotson. Yep. You don't, yeah, you need to know something <laughs> So it's like been kind of crazy, though. Um, I do have a little complaint against him because he took my bathroom out. Um, he is going to give me two good new ones, but um, right now I don't have one, so that's been a challenge. Yeah, um, brother-in-laws, man. Yeah. You can't live with them and can't live without yeah. them. They're but, just good people. But we're doing good. We're yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that uh, you, you had told me, um, as I was thinking about my air conditioning going out, I was like, oh, woe is me. What a horrible first world problem to have. And you were like, well, I don't have a house. And I was like, okay. <laughs> There's things worse, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I would like to think of myself as not being materialistic or, you know, I like to think of myself as being able to rough it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a camper. I'm just yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been challenging. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for being here today. Yeah. Sheila's here to talk about the topic of ministry, one of the five values. Uh, your name came to mind very easily, you and your husband, Mark, when it comes to serving and to giving generously and with joy. Um, Sheila serves, um, as, as Stephen was talking about earlier, on the deacon team on the finance committee as well as the facilities committee for the FYI. If you're interested in ever speaking with Sheila or asking her questions, she's, that's what, she's more than available to talk with you on any of those topics. But she has also served with uh, children's on the setup side of things for quite, teardown. for the teardown, excuse me, for the teardown side of things, as well as um, with Citigroup, you know. And, um, and so I think um, one of the reasons is obviously just the kind of joyful generosity that you and Mark uh, lead with. Um, but also the intentionality of keeping track of the why, keeping focused on what ministry is about, and also keeping track of the kind of uh, boundaries around ministry and doing ministry out of a wholeheartedness and not out of duty and obligation. And that's sometimes as much of an effort as doing things, as doing things for the right motive and reason, and I know that we'll talk about that. I did realize that I um, scattered my iPad over here, so I'm going to kind of buy us some time and intro our, our, our value series if you've been here or not. Um, We've been kind of looking at the book of Acts, and the word that stuck out um, in the passage to me when it comes to kind of an apt passage to look at for family values is the word devoted, uh, because devotion by Webster's Dictionary requires divinity. Devotion requires um, living for and living because of something bigger and, and longer living than us. Um, and that's what is kind of the joy, the treasure in the field, so to speak, that it seems this family, this kind of like moving, living, early church that seems to be doing so much but never getting tired or discouraged in doing it somehow has been devoted to something. They, are, they, are, they have chosen their yes ahead of time. Even if it fails, if it works out, if it doesn't work out, they've been devoted to certain, to certain values. And so um, I think that that is important because I think that 
in a time of social media when everybody um, uh, is very privy to everybody else's values and opinions, um, if we're not careful, we will get distracted, strayed, and torn off course of what our core values would be as individuals. And so as we talk about this stuff, it's been helpful to get a discussion, not just, you know, one, you know, um, uh, monologue or, or, you know, just one single uh, perspective on it, on each of these values. And so that's kind of what we've done so far as on the first three talked about some of these values. But they're up on the screen here, and uh, I would actually just like to kind of read through them and reference them as I'll look back over your shoulder here as you read above mine. Um, Timothy came last time, and we talked about what would it be like to live and work in a family that is like anxiety-free, that is, that is all um, so focused on the bigness and the goodness of God that all of the kind of... Um, you know, the burdens and the kind of like have-tos of life and the worries of the world, they kind of become immunized in the presence of Jesus because of how big he is and how good he is. What does it look like to live a worship culture that isn't just about singing, but every day when we do staff meetings and when we do deacon meetings and when we do volunteers and groups, if we came into the room with a sense of what's God going to do next, that would be a worshipful culture. Um, we talked with Matt about kind of a, uh, an end, um, a a lonely free environment or a place that has no anonymity um, in it, a fellowship that kind of, um, that, 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 that knows names and knows stories and fights for uh, vulnerability and connection. What would it look like to really know each other and not just kind of know each other's names was the fellowship value. Ju uh, Julianne came up last week, as I mentioned before, did a, such a great job um, sharing stories just about her personal testimony of the way that God still speaks to us. And that's how I was so encouraged by her story to hear about, if you guys were here last week, like as a 10-year-old girl, she shows up this doctor's appointment. And yes, there's vacation Bible schools, and yeah, there's Sunday school, but there's nothing that replaces the word of the Lord in our life. And so if you guys remember, she had this kind of like uh, planner's wart thing, and 10-year-old Julianne and her mom, she called her cruising Susan, which I thought was pretty funny. Her name is Susan, uh, Julianne's mom, prayed for it, and uh, the thing fell off right there in the doctor's office. And we just got to talking last week, if you listen on the podcast, just about how God still speaks, obviously, first and foremost with his word, but also through community and, and through the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be uh, talking about ministry. Let's, um, let's just start off, as we've done in the past, with some of these topics, um, Sheila, just with like, you know, what comes to mind when you think of the word ministry? Um, and if you were to try and explain it to somebody, you know, who is just coming into the church and, you know, had no idea what the word ministry would mean... Uh, how would you define it, and how would you describe what ministry means to you? Well, um, I think ministry can be often confused with um, giving to charity or, you know, doing good deeds that, um, but we, we all know that that doesn't make it a, you know, God-honoring or um, God-focused thing if we all give to charity, and, you know, that's great, and, but... Um, when it comes to ministry, I think the purpose is not just making someone's life better, making them more comfortable or giving them something they need physically, but it's more of a focus on what their spirit needs, what their soul needs, and pointing people to God. So it can look like charity, and oftentimes it does. Like in Acts, I mean, people didn't have needs because needs were met. So it mm -hmm. isn't that it's not a physical meeting of needs, but there's a purpose deeper than just the physical in ministry, that we're really trying to point people to God. Yeah. I'll meet guys on the airplane sometimes, and, you know, you'll talk, and they'll be like, hey, what do you do for a living? And then when you say, I'm a pastor, the conversation really turns in before I said I was a pastor and all the things that people say after you say that you're a pastor. 
Um, and something that they'll say, which I don't use the term, but people will say, they'll be like, oh, so you're in the ministry, or how's the ministry going? And I feel like in the back of their mind, they're seeing me in a little nacho libre suit, you know, feeding out the salads and the nachos to the kids, uh, et cetera. Um, I, I think that um, there is a kind of stereotype um, when it comes to ministry. We think ministry means vocational ministry. It means like going to seminary and paying money to do this or being a missionary, let's say, is a kind of ministry, and that there's kind of ministers and non-ministers. You know, um, I sent the passage late, so I don't know if it'll make it to the screen, but I will read it this morning because I think it roots us a bit. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, uh, Paul describes the church like this. There's these gifts, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And that is, is we'll get into it, kind of all of us. So it's not just the people that sing and the people that lead. It's, it's the whole church has these gifts. And the purpose of these gifts in verse 12 says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, it's, it's, it's that ministry isn't just practiced on Sundays. It's not just practiced by people that have a seminary degree. It's practiced by everyone all the time. And what you referenced just a moment ago about Acts 2, and we'll read the verse kind of line by line in a moment, but there's this idea here in the Acts family that there were equippers of the saints, and that's absolutely what I think um, entails my job description is even we talk about, you know, being affirmed or being approved of for being a, a lead pastor of a church. Um, but at the end of the day, um, Timothy or myself or the elders are not the ministers of this church. We're the equippers of the ministers. So the, the real vision here is that the idea that ministry as a value isn't a program. It's not just a commitment once every now and again. It's a way of life. You know, it's, it's kind of a lifestyle. Um, we were talking earlier at you know, Starbucks this week just about the idea of, um, of, of how ministry, um, let me put it this way. We didn't say it. We didn't talk about it this way yesterday, but sometimes it's, it's easy for ministry, it's funny to say it this way, doesn't become about Jesus, right? Yeah. So it's funny because like we, I think whether it's vocational ministry or we serve with kids or we serve with youth or we serve, you know, at bigger churches on a parking team, let's say something like that, where it's like um, we start off maybe with the right reasons or the right motive um, or maybe we don't, you know, maybe we start off because the pastor told us to do it or it seemed like a good idea. Um, it shouldn't be this way, but it's funny that ministry sometimes is about everything else except for Jesus and for the original purpose. Um, and, and I think as we get into some of the definition, which we'll get to in a moment, I think it would be, you can be charitable, like you said, at Coca-Cola and Starbucks and do great things for the world, but ministry has to have Jesus at its core. Um, you know, tell me about, as we talked about yesterday, some of the things that either for you or for people that you, you know, have done life with where... Um, how ministry can kind of drift from its original, you know, motive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have had, I would say, difficult church experiences. We've been through, I'm, I'm 44, just turned 44. So, I mean, I've had a lot of years to try different churches. And um, we, we've been in churches before where we, we had a heart to serve. We wanted to be involved. And we got involved and got so busy. I mean, just like you said, that that it ends up feeling like we're just um, so busy but don't but lose purpose, lose lose the vision for why we're doing what we're doing. And some of that's our, you know, we take blame ourselves from some of that, but I do think that if ministry, if the church is set up in a way where we're just trying to get people to come in and it, it's our, our goal is not helping the person or loving the person, but it's more like building the, the church, building the people, um, getting more numbers and that kind of thing, where it's program-driven, I think it, it can be very exhausting. Um, and we, we personally have felt that in the past. Um, I do love that about City Lights. I've never felt that here. 
And even when, I mean, we've had conversations about ministry, and I'm honest with you. We've been honest with you about, you know, it, it can be very hard. And, you know, I'm up here talking about giving. I don't ever want to give the impression, like, you know, I don't struggle with it because it can get hard, especially when life gets crazy, like this summer has been crazy. Mm. Um, and it gets hard to continue to give of your time and your personal space and to show up and to be faithful when life gets crazy. Um, but, you know, I guess just this church has always been, you have always been very understanding about that. And even when we were talking about, like, maybe not being able to lead city group anymore, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just I really appreciate that. I don't, I've never felt that if we were to back out of doing something here that, that would, we would be looked down at or, you know, and we have felt that in the past. We have felt like you're stuck, you know, you have committed to do this and you're going to do it for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you know. And it's been such a relief to be here in a loving environment where we don't feel that way. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and we wanted to be intentional about bringing up just the reality of, I've heard a preacher say before that ministry is messy because us sheep are messy, because people are messy. Mm-hmm. And um, it does come with its level of um, just faithfulness, you know what I mean, that I think that we're, we've been talking about a little bit this morning. Um, uh, we're going to come back to that kind of topic a little bit, but I think we've done that intentionally because I think that we can kind of expect that that is where uh, ministry will head us sometimes. But um, as far as definitions go, I, I found this uh, in Matthew 10, and I thought this was a great picture, maybe not a definition of ministry, but Jesus sent his disciples, his original 12 out to go and cast out lepers to raise the dead, you know, feed the hungry, to, to heal the sick, etc. It says in verse 6, Matthew 10, he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. So Jesus, um, when he looked at the masses of people, like if he looked at the, the news today or the world today, or if he were in a high school auditorium and he looked at those that were in the, in the audience, he, he continually, the scriptures would say, would see people as sheep without a shepherd, as people that need care. Um, and, uh, and it says in John 10 that Jesus was that shepherd, um, but also we could see ways that we, he's raised up under shepherds, meaning like that's what ministry is about. It's acting as the role of the shepherd. And the good shepherd doesn't flee when the, when the wolf comes but stays true to course, right? And so this is a, a, an important statement, though, when it comes to the economy of giving, like, like giving and receiving at the same time. Uh, and this is what it says in the very last verse. He tells his disciples, and he says it in so many other ways and other topics, but he says, freely I want you to give because freely you have received. It comes to mind, for example, when Jesus says to some of his disciples, like, as you forgive, like, forgive as you've been forgiven. And I think this verse is important to to tether us home of what ministry actually is, because ministry isn't charity, and ministry isn't people-pleasing, and ministry isn't the promise that everybody's going to be happy all the time, Uh, but ministry is this, like, hope and uh, and zeal for a need-free zone within the church. Um, it, is, it is not helping people to get something out of them. It's not helping people to build, you know, an organization. It is helping people and serving people because Jesus served us. It is, it is loving people because Jesus loved, loved us. In other words, you put it this way in verse 8. It is healing the sick because Jesus healed us. It's raising the dead because Jesus raised us from death to life. It's cleansing the leper and accepting the outcast because Jesus did that for us. It's not just giving to give per se, it's giving because he gave. So I, I had that down that, that, that ministry means that we're giving as we've been given so that others would know the giver. And that's right. very different, right, from charity. Right. That's very different from just the kind of, oh, like I ought to do this, I better do this, we got to solve world hunger, we got to go fix all the problems. A lot of that, Jesus says we're always going to have the poor. 
So the goal is not to make sure nobody's poor. The goal, first and foremost, is faithfulness to Jesus and living as he lived, giving as he gave. Um, and so I know that you had a passage, and, I, and I'm sorry, I know we are kind of bouncing around here and there, but the passage that I think that you found, which is really great, involved a, an occasion when Jesus was kind of talking to the disciples about how he measures ministry right. and what he counts as ministry, right, as we've been talking about yeah. it, as opposed to a lot of times what humans just without Jesus might think about ministry. Uh, did you want to read that and talk? Sure, yeah. sure. So, uh, yeah, at, um, he was talking to his disciples and um, sharing with them that, you know, at the end of time when we're all gathered together, it says all the nations are gathered together, the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom pre prepared for you for the from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous answer him and say, we didn't do this to you. What are you talking about? They're confused. They don't understand. You know, we never did this to you. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Hmm. So I've always loved that passage because it's so encouraging to me to think that the little things we do, I mean, really just giving someone a drink, I mean, it seems like nothing. And I think so many times, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this later too, but like what keeps people from serving, what has kept me from serving, one of the things is just... Um, feeling like what I do doesn't really make an impact or it doesn't really matter or I can't do something that big so it doesn't count. But this passage is very clear that it's those small things that mm -hmm. are really unseen by most people that Jesus counts those as you doing those directly to him. Yeah. I mean, that's so encouraging. It keeps I mean, me going. You know? I mean, I thought about the story with the 10 lepers. Maybe you guys are familiar with the story. It's like uh, when Jesus healed this group of people, it's kind of a parable because it's one in 10. It's easy percentage to calculate. But like, you know, one of the lepers came back, which means that, what, nine of the other ones never gave any credit or thanks or anything mm -hmm. else, and, and Jesus would continue on and just serve people that would never return to say thank you or maybe have a 10% uh, return in terms of people actually um, recognizing ministry when it happens, actually meeting the giver of the gift that was given. You think about all the people that gathered around Jesus, the thousands and thousands of people that he fed, you know, on a, on a weekly and daily basis and healed and cared for that never returned to him. That at the end of his life, he had maybe 12 disciples and, you know, 100 gathered in the upper room. But all of those thousands of people that gathered around him that he served, that he gave to, that he poured his life out for and ultimately died for, never ended up following him. Right. And so, so categorically, if we think about this as a church, like there is a discipleship value that says we need to help love people and lead people into Jesus. But if we follow the rabbi, the way that he lived his life, he gave to people that never followed him. And so ultimately, there has to be, like I know that Paul in the books of, you know, the epistles at the end of the, the scriptures, he continually endorses for the church, don't forget to feed the poor and the widows and orphans. Why? Because it's going to be a great movement? Why? Because it's going to build up attendance? Why? Because it's going to change the world? No, because I do this. This is who I am. I'm a giver. And you're led to give. And so um, a, a great quote that I've been trying to mention as much as I can, I think it's really powerful is for us as a church, a big C church, not alone city lights, but like, it's like we want to give because we're Christians, not to make people Christian. We want to give without strings. We want to give without agenda. And we give because he gave. This is what the passage says. We're not giving, you know, to get a vision to happen. We're not giving to make success happen or gain significance. We're giving because he gave. So the question becomes, did he give? Yes, the answer is always that he gave. And so the answer is we're giving. 
and, and the outcome uh, becomes this really vibrant, you know, um, beautiful family where no need was unmet among them. I had a funny story uh, this morning. Is there some uh, people that are gathered here from my, from my youth group? I, I planned on omitting the names anyways, but I, they know who the name was because I, I think it would be funny for them knowing who, who, the, uh, who the kid was. Um, but I remember kind of like, I think it was like the third summer in, um, our, our youth group, uh, it was called City Youth actually, um, went to Awanata. Raise your hand if you've been to Awanata Camp Awanata, anybody out there? There's a great zip line, it's a ton of fun. Camp, just think camp, it's, it's great. Good camp food, uh, camp experience and so forth, and there's always good camp adventures that are um, good to tell in sermons, you know, years later. Um, but there was this one uh, individual who, uh, I think it was like the second day during free swim, was in the middle of swimming, and she screamed like louder than you'd ever heard, just ah, just like was throwing a fit, and I, we were worried that she was like drowning or something crazy. It was pretty urgent. It was pretty bad. So some of the youth leaders uh, went in, you know, like helped her out. It was probably four feet of water, but you know when you're panicking, it seems like it's a year and way deeper. And uh, she came out, and she had two like dots like on her arm, like right here. And, uh, and they were close enough together that she was like, it's a snake bite. I was bitten by a snake. And, and if I like, knew anything about Boy Scouts, I'd know that snakes swam on the top, and she wasn't really bitten by a snake. And I kind of didn't think that she was bitten by snakes, but middle schoolers are dramatic, and they can sell you on pretty much anything with that level of drama. And I'm just thinking about the parent and the medical waiver and all the problems, and I'm like, let's go. It's 45 minutes to the hospital. We're going. I don't think you're bitten by a snake, but I think we're okay. So it was all the moments, right? You're driving down there, and uh, she's just like, you know, still like in bathing suit mode with the towel. She's like, you know, 13 years old kind of thing. And I probably needed to bring somebody else, but didn't. I was like on my, I should have known better, should have had better discretion. But I'm driving there, and she like falls asleep. So I'm like, oh, great. I hope she's not like, you know, passed out from the snake bite. So I'm like trying to wake her up, and she's fine. She's fine. Don't worry. She's fine. The end of the story is she's fine. She's still alive. I wouldn't tell the story like that. And so literally, I'm just fast forward to the point as I reminisce up here. <laughs> they had her, she needed to, in order to show that the snake wasn't venomous or she was bitten by a snake, take a urine test, okay? So I'm stepping outside. I'm like, where's this girl's mom? She's late to this thing. We had called the mom. She's still not there. I'm in the hospital with this person. And I come in, and she, she has by now dressed and everything like that. But she's, got, she's propped up on that, you know, the paper thing and the, and the doctor's thing. And she's laid down like this, and there's a pee sample. And she fell asleep again. I think she has carcolepsy. I don't know what's wrong, but she fell asleep. Long story short, she got bumped by two little, like, rocks or something. She was not bitten by a snake. But this is my point. I seriously said to the Lord that I said, is this what ministry is? <laughs> like, we talk about, like, this is, this is kind of my point is, like, we talk about ministry um, and it is the small moments, not the big ones, isn't it? And it's the cups of cold water, and it's the small things, and it's the messiness. And John 10, as I was even thinking about it this morning in, in, in driving here, like it just talks about this idea that like it's not if but when that the wolf comes to attack you know, the flock. Like It's not if but when the messiness of the sheep makes ministry hard. It, it, ministry is, is a heavy work and sometimes a hard work, but it's a good work in the same way as you would teach a classroom or mentor somebody or do foster care for somebody. It's the right work. It's the good work. It's the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross, and that is the way that we follow Jesus in, into ministry. And so um, I, I think, I think as, we, uh, as we kind of land the plane and kind of talk about the application of what some of this looks like, I'd love to get the... Um, 
the, the sermon and a sentence on the screen here, each of these kind of has a, a line to explain what we mean by each of these things. But ministry, I wrote, off of Ephesians 4, does look like building up not an organization, but building up the family of God, right? So ministry isn't just charity, and ministry isn't just random acts of kindness. Ministry is giving in the way that he gives to us because it's too hard to give any other way. Like, we'll get to the point, not when, but if, that giving becomes harder than it's worth. It's not, it's not going to give us the significance or the payoff or the reward. And so there has to become somehow this motive of giving the way that he's given. And not only just to give, but give in a way that would, would it help somebody encounter who the giver is. So what if, what if we read it this way, that Ephesians 4 might instruct us this morning that we are building up the family of God through ministry. And the only way that we can do that, the only way that we can um, kind of um, find the brick and mortar in the metaphor to build up what the family of God would look like, we would need to cross this threshold of I'm not giving to do anything else except to express who God is to me. I'm here to give the way that he's given to me. Um, I know that there's a couple of stories that we'll talk about this morning, you know, in our own experience that that I think um, express this really well. Um, but again, I think it's good to, to keep in mind as we continue to talk the, the central nature of what ministry is. If ministry is about building up the church, the only way to do it, like, like comparison, um, conflict that happens in ministry, stress that happens in ministry, drama, like the need to please people, the desire to be bigger, better, the competition between churches, that all happens when we lose sight of ministry when we lose sight of who Jesus is and what he came to do. It's so easy to make it not about, you know, shepherding the sheep. Um, and when that happens, we become the hired hands. We become the problem. We, we become, you know, people that are here to build something that isn't up about building his church. And it's easy to do that. And it's harder to do that. And so um, I think that that's what this sentence means to me, to build up the family of God. We've got to... Um, We've got to position our building in a way that looks like we're following Jesus to do it. We are giving the way he gave. We, we freely received, and so we freely give. We're not giving away anything he didn't give us in the first place, and ministry is too hard to give with any other motive um, propelling us forward. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things I think that can snag us. The first one that came to mind was um, the idea of, uh, of task accomplishment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like We talked a little yeah. bit about that, how ministry can be slower than we like it to go sometimes. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? I sure. thought your story is really helpful. Yeah, and yeah, first though, let me say like everyone I know that not everyone is like me. I mean, I'm married to someone that's my opposite. So, I get that, you know, not everyone is driven to check a list off um, like I am, but because I am, this is something that that I do struggle with is I feel like sometimes with ministry I want to, you know, I feel good about myself when I accomplish something. So, ministry becomes like um, Okay, I did that kind deed, or I did that thing, or I, not just reading my Bible and praying, you know, those can fall in the same category, but as far as doing things for other people, um, and if you look at people like a task, or mm-hmm. like, you know, I need to do this so then I feel like it's done, or I feel better about myself, um, you're not loving that person, yeah. you know, you're not, and I, I fall into that trap a lot, because I'm, I will work hard to get something done, but if I'm not careful... I'm focused so much on accomplishing it that I'm missing the purpose yeah. or, you know, really just loving that person while I'm ministering to there, them. There's a, um, a, a John Piper book, which uh, I've read snippets of it, but the cover, it's so funny. Like when a title is that good that you remember the title, even never having read the book, and it says all it needs to say, 
He, the name of this book, if you've ever seen it, is called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a pastor, um, and for all of us, I guess, just doing ministry, as we, um, we are called to work together as a team. And organizations help that. And I'm all about, you know, the need for budgets and ministry plans. And that's all a part of um, the how. But the why has always got to be people, right? Yeah. And so I think the title of this book is so great, and he helps keep us calibrated. We are not running a business, right? And that's the thing, the temptation of a consumer market culture and the way that church is and the, just the way that people are will want to do ministry without people involved. It's like, how can I do ministry in ways that don't actually have to talk to people, don't actually have to listen to people, don't actually have to do work with people? And, and the tendency for, my, I think, myself and, and I think all of us is how can I get out of the messiness of that but still call it ministry and, you know, get in the green room and play great music. And the reality is there's no ministry without people right. and there's no disciples unless there's ministry. And, and, and so I think the call, again, back to Ephesians 4, if Paul is telling us what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, which is to build up the church to the stature of Christ, it requires ministry, and it requires people and some of the messiness that goes along with it, not just getting tasks done. Um, another one that comes to mind for me, and we've talked about it, but just to name it and call it what it is, is there is an ambition, I think, that when ministry gets tough, it's kind of like um, you know, a desire for churches to compete with one another, to do something bigger, better, or greater, and to make a name and to build a brand and not a church, right? And that's not good, and, and we need to call it what it is. We need to name that and say, To have an ambition to lead a church, let's say, or to be a part of a church, um, there is a holy ambition, an ambition, let's say, to follow Jesus and to do, you know, live our lives out to the glory of God. That's a holy ambition. But any ambition that just has to do with a reputation, with validation, with um, building up some kind of uh, an ego, um, we've gotten in the wrong boat and we got to get out of that fast, right? That's really, really important. And so um, I think... um, uh, you know, Amy, uh, our children's minister, um, in this last, uh, we always do like different little goals or things that we want to target and be intentional with ministry. Um, she has made a habit before service uh, to pray for the children by name before service starts. And as we talk about equipping and what this might look like, praying for people by name as opposed to praying for like macro problems like help the poor, but praying for Stephen or something like that, that's important. I think that, that, that we lose that. We lose our names and we just become numbers and we don't pray for names. And I think that uh, when it is that our heart follows that prayer and aligns with that sentiment of I want to serve the one, not the whoever, 20s or 30s or whatever it may be, um, I think we keep our, our heart uh, pure of that. Do you have anything to add when it comes to the topic of ambition, when it comes to ministry or trying to do something great, change the world, I'm going to go change the world and do. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mentioned this yesterday, just that, like, when I think, and maybe this is part of being younger, but, like, I, I wanted to do more with yeah. my life. You know, I had great ambition to, like, I was going to be um, working orphanages in Romania. I don't know why, but that's what I was going to do. And, you know, that's a great thing, right? But I would feel really proud of myself. Yeah. And, and, I, and as I've grown and I've... But that kind of plagued me for, I would say, into my 30s even. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing something that amazing. I'm just yeah. a mom, you know. I'm just It's, tempti- it's so neighbor. tempting to see something out there on social media and think, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And that's such a snag, right? Because we're talking about cups of cold water. Right. We're talking about people that think they got bit by a snake, but they weren't. Um, you know, we're talking about the everyday raising kids, like, like, we can't be too big for that. Like, right. that's what ministry would be. It's the cup of cold water. It's the person in front of us. 
It's, it's giving just to give. And like you said yesterday, <clears throat> like what if that, if your whole life, if you get to the end of your life and it's like one person, yeah. you impacted one person, yep. would that be worth it? I mean, we all, I think, would say yes. Yeah. But yet, why is it that it feels so hard while you're doing it? I guess because for me, I'm not seeing results. You know, I'm not yeah. seeing it quick enough. So it gets discouraging to keep going. Like, yeah. You know, but. One of the things, the last things that we wanted to talk about was what happens when it it feels like um, there's a feeling of, of being unseen by the Lord. Like there's one thing to get credit, you know, or something like that, like somebody give you a high five or recognize something that you did. It's another thing to sort of just feel like, Lord, does this matter? Uh, to get discouraged in ministry, right? Right. right? right. So like what, what, do you, what would you say to, to a younger version of yourself or what would you say to our room this morning when we get discouraged in ministry and when faithfulness doesn't always produce fruitfulness right away? You know, what, what would the Lord say to that? Well, first of all, I think for me, um, I used to, I guess with that ambitious spirit, you know, I kind of was an independent-minded um, person where I kind of felt like I didn't need other people, didn't want to need other people, I should say it like that. I think I always knew I needed people, but I wanted to not need them. Hmm. And so when you're in kind of that mode with ministry, it becomes, it can become very lonely and very difficult if you don't have people walking it with you. Now, Mark and I have always... I think pretty much always everything we've done, minus a few little things, we've done together, and that makes a huge difference having him. But but even more than that, just having um, others you're serving with, and that hasn't always been the case in our ministry in other churches, that we have felt very alone, and it gets really hard. Mm. Um, we do need people. We need people to serve with, um, to encourage us. You know, that's like we don't we don't serve, like you don't give to get. Yeah. But if you're not getting encouragement... You can't give away what you don't you, have. You, exactly. Yeah. You have to be filled in order to be able to give. I just see, like we talked about yesterday, Jesus sent people in twos. Discipleship looked like 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the family of God in the upper room was 100 and so. And so um, what we do see is part of the reason for, I think, ministry burnout is when you... when. Uh, when we do ministry alone, or at least when we believe we're alone in ministry. And I would want to say that to those of us in the room that have served. Some of us have served early, you know, on early teams, have served, you know, sometimes just week after week in kids and don't necessarily have, uh, we talk about up, in, and out, have like a family connection. And that's not a good place to be. And so it's kind of like saying, yeah, we don't ever want to get caught up in the ambition of the thing or get caught up in the credit, like I need to get credit for something. But I do hear you saying that we do want to be connected, and we want to have a family and a team to do ministry with, and that's something we want to be very intentional with. I know me and Timothy were talking about, okay, how do we you know, make sure that as we serve and set up, and we don't get so caught up in the task, let's say, in set up or in kids, but there's a community aspect that we're doing something together and that we're building a family together. We're not just plugging in cables, and that's a really hard thing to continue to you know, um, live in that reality. And so it's a simple thing. We try to be intentional with this, and we are talking about values look like something. They have to have a rhythm to them. And so we've just, you know, budgeted for Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. You know what I mean? And, and I know that's a simple thing, but um, we know that food has fellowship connected to it, and it's just a small way we want to continue to remind ourselves and our patterns look like we're not just plugging in cords. We're not just putting on name tags. We are discipling people. We're ministering to people. And so, you know, in a summary of the thing today that we're talking about, we don't love people and to serve people to make people Christian. We serve people because he served us. We serve people because he gave to us. And we, there's no timetable that you like. We're talking about like a neighbor of yours mm-hmm. and some friends of yours. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, how long should we serve people? Four years, five years? And it's like, as we looked at it, it's like the answer is as long as he served us. You know what I mean? Like, 
obviously we follow the Lord, and if he calls us to move in and out of different ministry seasons, but there's no statute of limitations like, Lord, there's supposed to be fruit here. It's like, no, we serve because he served. Yeah. And so, again, in summary, we're serving first and foremost our family inside the church, but outside the church, we serve because he served with no agenda, with no strings, but just so that somebody might have an encounter with the giver. And, and I think um, as we talk about some of the practicalities, the biggest thing that I heard today is trying to get to a place with family and with community where we're serving together. Because serving alone without the bigger picture of how it builds up the church and builds the family, as Paul says, to the stature of Christ. If we lose sight of the fact that we're not just serving as, a, as an individual, but we are serving a family and part of a bigger family, um, we can get distracted pretty quickly yeah. and discouraged pretty quickly. One really great verse, too, that came to mind this morning was in Galatians. Um, uh, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's good. Um, and I think that is what also pushes Mark and me in ministry is just seeing the needs of people. I mean, you know, yep. we're not super, no one's superhuman. So you may look at someone like Miss Amy who's like, you know, running around like she's got it together back in the kids area. But the reason we wanted to serve in the kids' area is because we loved Amy. Yeah. I loved her heart. And I'm like, she's not strong enough to do it all herself. I mean, I'd love to be, right? Yeah. But that's bearing one another's burdens, seeing a need or a potential need, maybe even if, even if they look like they're fine, and stepping in. And it can make a huge difference in helping encourage someone else. Yeah. I would love for you to um, pray for us in closing today as Timothy and, and the band comes up. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we obviously, like we're talking about ministry as a bigger thing than just a volunteer position, but we certainly use volunteer stuff uh, and that ministry as a way to abide in Ephesians 4. It's a way to equip saints because, you know, really, ultimately, whether we're holding the door or doing coffee or doing setup, I mean, ultimately, it is all part of um, the discipleship process of equipping one another for being that generous culture, the, the culture that races for last, the culture that wants to serve, the culture that is about giving and comes to build others up, not tear people down. And that is all part of the process. I do think that values have to look like something. Values are not what we talk about. It is what we do um, continually, not just random acts of kindness. And anyways, volunteer ministry is absolutely one way that we build up um, this church. And so we are so thankful for those that volunteer, but also I know Timothy will be out uh, in the lobby here. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.